Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Intentional Guy. You're on air with your host, Michael Chestnut. Uh, I'm here with Jonathan Carone today, and I am I'm so thankful for you to be here, Jonathan. We are in the midst of doing a um, 28 day challenge for husbands out there to really step up their game, be present in their marriage. And just that, I, I just went through an experience with my wife. Just, you know what, change it. May, I had a big fear of praying with my wife and I conquered that fear and I changed also. I used, my wife was like the butt of my jokes whenever we went somewhere. I didn't mean nothing by it, but a good friend was like, took me aside and we had a conversation about it. And I was like, you know what? I, and I, I started changing how I, my attitude towards my wife and how I talked to her and things like, and I'm telling you in no time, it was like she became more enduring to me. The way she looks at me is just unbelievable. And I, 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 I've become addicted to how my wife looks at me now because, you know, it's like when we first were dating and I'm like, wow, you know, and all that required from me was to start being present and to see her. And also, though, be willing. I had to listen to a friend. I had to be open to listen to this friend that came to me with something that was probably hard for him to say. Well, for Blaine, it wasn't. Blaine will just tell you whatever. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm glad I have a friend that would that's in this to say, hey, man, you know, you can have a much better relationship with your wife. You know, if uh, you're just a little bit open. And now I feel like I see my wife. You know, I see her soul. And that has, that's just made her more endure to me, enduring to me. She just, she hangs on my, my arm now. We're like, we're in high school and stuff again. So it's great. So I had, I wanted to do this challenge with um, our guys that, you know, we started this on uh, January 18th, and and by 28 days of doing this, we're going to end it on Valentine's Day with them taking their wives on a date. Take your wife on a great date, and 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 see how, how in 28 days of you being intentional towards your wife with your attitude, and and I I like what we're going to discuss today with serving your wife too. How that's going to enhance your marriage and probably pretty quickly because it did with me you know so uh jonathan it, it's great to have you let's start off with you telling uh everybody just a little bit about you and then i want to talk i want you to start the conversation off with what you uh emailed me about i, I really want to get hitting that so yeah thanks for having me on here i host a podcast called unlearning youth group where we look at all the things we learned back in youth group growing up uh, we find the that. good, we unlearn the bad, and then we figure out where the heck we go from here. Because with time and perspective, we realize that some of the things that we were taught had great intentions, but led to bad results. Yes. And so yes. We, we have the perspective that we can look back and say, you know what? I get why my leaders, my parents taught me that, but we need to unlearn part of that so that we don't teach that to our kids, whether it's kids we might be leading in a student ministry or kids, our own kids. Uh, so... Uh, that that's what we do. And one of the things we talk about a lot on our show because it was so pervasive was purity culture. And that that's kind of yes. what the, is the foundation of what I'm, we, we want to talk about today. And 
before we get going, I think it's one of the best things we can do is define things so that we all know what we're talking about. And yes. the way we define purity culture on our show is that it's a Christian subculture that attempted to highlight the concept of biblical sexual purity and instead overemphasize a strict interpretation of modesty, abstinence, and gender roles that led to sexual shame, sexual dysfunction, and uneven rules for men and women. Mm. And for us today, the thing that when you and I first started talking about this episode, what first came to mind is this idea that from our youngest age as guys, women are positioned as either sexual temptations or future spouses. Yeah. Th that's how we're taught to view women. Mm. We can't like, we're taught to bounce our eyes when we look at a woman, because if we look too long, we're going to lust and we're going to sin because God forbid right. a, a guy actually control his emotions and his thoughts. Right. So, so, so that is what is ingrained in us from such a young age. So then we get into our marriage and we've got this, we've got this wrong idea of who our wife is and what her role is in our marriage because the gender roles that are set up from day one are a little backwards. Yeah. When, when we look at scripture, you go to Ephesians five specifically, what we are told to do as men is to serve our wives the same way that Christ served the church. And mm. he gave up everything he ever wanted for the church he took on a beating and a persecution that he never, no human being would ever want that. I mean, he's in the garden the night before praying so hard that his blood pressure is so high that he actually starts sweating blood. So obviously yeah. he did not want to endure what he endured. And we are called to serve our wives in that same vein. Mm. Yeah. But so many of us, we don't look at our marriage and our wives as that we look at marriage or wives as a means to an end, whether it's them serving us or them giving us sex or whatever it is, like they are a means to an end as opposed to, no, we are called to lay down everything we have to serve our wives. I love that. And you're right. I mean, I think about some of the teachings that I had and, and things growing up and uh, some of the failed relationships I had. And you, we only know what we know, right? And, um, the, the thought that I, I love what you just said, that we can't even look at a woman because, uh, I have a friend that he's like, Manny, I can't, I have to control myself. Cause you know, if they're looking too much, I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, that's, that's a problem, dude. So he, you know? here's, my, here's my go-to phrase with that. We taught guys to bounce their eyes instead of teaching them to transform their mind. Mm. When, when Romans tells us to transform our mind through the work of the Holy spirit. And, but instead what we've done is we've tried to put in little idioms and little actions that will help us instead of doing the hard work of actually transforming our minds so that I, we should not be looking. It's a choice to sexualize other women. Yeah. Like if we see a photo in national geographic of a woman in Africa, breastfeeding her child, that is not sexual to us because we make the choice not to sexualize that. So if that's the case, then by nature, we are making the choice to sexualize every woman who is not our wife when we yeah. look at them through sexual eyes. Yeah. And the go-to joke I've made over and over is, what makes a belly button sexy, Michael? 
Why is that, no stink, that stinky hole in the middle of their stomach <laughs> that helped feed them when they were in utero? What makes that sexy? I have no idea. Here's another one. <laughs> this is the one that gets me in trouble. What makes the muscles around the chute that a woman releases her bodily waste? What makes that sexual? Hmm. There's nothing about the butt that should be sexual. <laughs> except we make the choice to sexualize that. Right. And so one of the ways we get away from that is by transforming our mind through the work of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. that allows us to look at our wife as the only sexual being that we're interested in. Because mm. she should be the only sexual being that we're interested in. Yes. And one of the ways we can serve our wife is by doing the hard work of trying to transform our minds through the work of the Holy Spirit so that we see every other woman not as a potential temptation, not as a potential sexual partner, but as someone who is just a woman created in the image of God who is equal to us and our spouse is the sexual being in our life, not everyone else. Yeah. And I think part of our, our generation problem, and I know this was a problem for me. Um, I, I, I just released a book a year ago on my story and I became addicted to pornography mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And, and, and the, that's one of the problems with our generation is we carry, we have free porn in our pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you're right. If we don't transform our mind, then we can, you know, we're going to, that's going to control us. And that's where we're, our mind's going to be. And that's why all these things that you said, why, why is that sexual to us and all this stuff? Because, you know, for me, I allowed this perversion into my life and I had to figure out the answer to that. Why was that happening? And, and I went through that process and, and thank God, you know, uh, God gave me freedom from that, you know, and, and everything, but I still, pr I protect that like nobody's business Absolutely. because I'm, I also know I'm not dumb enough to know I could go right back into that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very protective of that with my wife, but I, I think, and I like what you said too, because when we can look at our wife, not as a sexual object, but as this beautiful friend of mine that I'm doing in life with this person who's walking this journey with me, how, how great is it? I, I mean, I, cause I heard one guy that was upset because he did something for his wife and he, you know, he got nothing in return from it. And I'm like, man, we don't do things for other people so that we get something back from it. You know, we're, it, there's a there's a thing about serving others that Christ talked to us about, you know, and uh, you got to have the right attitude when you're doing it. And we talked about that on one of our podcasts here just recently was, you know, love's an attitude. It's not just an action. You know, it's it's also an attitude. And uh, well, I like to this. If you go back to the very beginning, like Genesis 2. It says that for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And that's when Eve was created. So the whole idea is that we're going to be suitable partners for each other. Mm. That that's, that's the whole point of this is because it's not so that one can serve the other and the other person doesn't serve. We both are called to serve each other because we are equitable partners in this 
that God created because he knew one of us by ourselves was not good enough. Yeah. That there was always something missing. And we have to serve each other so that we can do it together. When you said this earlier, so I'm going to ask you a question. You said you like to define things. So let's define this for people so people understand. What, what, do, you, what do we mean by serve? I would say off the cuff version of that would be lay down my desires to help complement the desires of whoever I'm serving or help mm. um, complete the needs of the, of whoever serve. I'll give you an example. My wife is a nurse. She's a cancer nurse. She leads a team of cancer nurses and right now they are understaffed. And so her, her job has been insane. But even on a normal week, her job starts at 7.30 in the morning and we live 30 minutes away. So she's leaving the house at 7 o'clock. That's her calling. She believes in life God has called her to be a nurse to cancer patients in the worst time in their life. And she's incredible at it. I love how great she is at that. So what that means for me is... I sacrifice what I would want to do in the mornings so that I can get the kids ready for school. I can get lunches made. I can take them to school instead of going to the gym or instead of going to a breakfast with somebody or instead of sleeping in, I've built my schedule around that. And I've been able, I'm lucky enough to, to be able to do that. And that is part of, of serving her so that she can do what God has made her to do. I, make the lunches and get the kids dressed, even though it's a fight every single morning. My daughter dumped half a cup, half a bowl of Cheerios on herself this morning while eating breakfast. So it's just, it's, that's the type, like when you look at most standard, typical marriage roles, it's not the husband who's doing stuff like that. It's the mom who packs the lunches. It's the mom who picks the kids up from daycare, from school. But I've made the intentional choice to sacrifice my wants, my needs, my desires. It's an easy sacrifice, Michael. It's, it's so easy. Yeah. And so I, I do the grocery shopping because I'm able to, my job right. allows me some more freedom that hers doesn't. So what it does is we intentionally did that so that she could be the nurse and the person that God has called her to be. Yeah. I, I take on certain things that she's not comfortable with that I'm more comfortable with. Like my nature I, I don't, I'm not better with the kids. I'm more comfortable with our kids one-on-one. She mm. has anxiety in ways that I don't. And I'm, right. I'm just more comfortable with our kids. So it's nothing for me to have to take the kids out and do something by myself. If she needs some time to herself, we go, right. we go to the play, we go to the playground. I'm the dad at the playground with the kids. And it's, it's easy things like that. So that, you know, it first starts with knowing your wife right. and knowing how she's wired knowing what her struggles are, what her strengths are, and then saying, you know what? I want to make your life as great as it can be. So let me do this. And here's the thing. If you're doing that, there's a good chance she's doing that back. She sees when you're stressed out and says, Hey, go take a nap. Or she sees when you've done a lot and say, Hey, that football game you want to watch, go do it. Because you've had the kids and done this, this, and this all week. I'll be glad to jump in here. So it's not a tit for tat thing, but you are, when you're mutually serving each other, you're going to see when someone needs a break and you're going to submit your wants and desires so that you can serve them. 
And I think that's how it was. A, like when I go back to Genesis two and see, when I see it says there's no suitable helper or no suitable partner, depending on the tra- the translation you look at that to me is the epitome of what marriage should be, what our role is. We are equal part. We have different roles. We have different skill sets and different strengths and all those things, but we are equitable partners in marriage. And that means we both mutually submit and serve to each other. I love that because that's a little different sometimes than what we were, I was taught uh, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had some failed relationships because of, just to be honest, past past experience. We know what we know, and uh, and that's and I love what you said too earlier. It's not putting down uh, the leaderships that were before us back then. They were we were in a different culture. We they knew what they knew, and we were they were they were doing the best intentions. they could with the information they had. That's right, and. Um, you know, they had no clue about an internet explosion and what the future looked like and, and how things would transpire and, and how much our culture would change. And for me, I was, I've been asleep at the wheel for a long time. And that's where intentional guy came up. I went, I was, I've been on a 15 year journey of restoration and found it, uh, because, uh, but I, I, I had to want it. And it's just like the same thing when my friend came to me and talked to me, I, I had a choice to do either listen to him, blow him off, keep, you know, what I have, you have, we have choices we get to make and you don't just naturally become a better person. No, you've got to work at it. Yeah, it's, it's I, I like that. You're, you're, you're exactly right. We don't naturally that's, and that's why some, I sent out, um, about five emails to five friends of mine, personal friends that I want to do that. I asked to watch this uh, series with us and not because they have bad marriages or anything like that, but because uh, we grow from one another. Right. And I think uh, the more information and more perspective we can have on things, it it's what's true is the more facts we get in a situation, the more our paradigm becomes correct Mm -hmm. and that's what's important to me so once when blaine came to me with that conversation i i chose to listen because when he was telling me at first like my defense came up but then i was like man my wife my wife's been trying to tell me that Mm -hmm. but i've not been listening right and it just took a few adjustments for me to do and man i'm like she can't get enough of me you know it's like which is what you want, but but what I like out of it, and the payoff is again, not to sound like a broken record during this series, but my payoff is how how she looks at me, because that tells me that, and and it's not for yeah, there's some selfishness in it because I like how she looks at me. I mean, Absolutely. I just love that, right? You but, know, uh, we, but we can uh, admit that part of this is selfish as well. Like yeah, we sometimes but, we serve to get things back, but mm-hmm. that's not always a bad thing, right? And it shouldn't be all, all what our our mo, our hundred percent of our motive should be, right? Correct. But the other thing is, when she, I see her looking at me, I know that good. I am meeting her needs. I am serving her well, 
because I want to know that. Because how long? How, how many of us are we're, we do something and we think, oh man, we're blessing this person, we're serving, and we're totally off, off chart with it. We're not. We're not even doing anything, you know. And so with this, at least I know. Okay, so I'm doing the right thing. I'm speaking her language. I'm I'm meeting her needs, and that's so. That's another reason why I love how she looks at me because, um, our it tells me that you're on the right track and our relationship is, is getting better because she's being fulfilled. So, and so my wife in, in Hosea too, there's this really interesting picture of God punishing Israel, but then winning her back for mm -hmm. leaving. And so uh, for those listening, none of this has to do with punishment. I just want to show you this, this idea uh, of when God, wins back his bride of Israel at the time. Um, in Hosea 2.14, he says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the Valley of Acre a door of hope. So basically talking about how he's going to woo her and serve her and do all these things. And then, Michael, this is what I love because of what you've said. There she will respond as the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. So you talk about your wife looking at you the way that she looked at you in high school. And I mean, that's a scriptural response. When right. we serve our wife, when we, when we lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her, when we do those things, she will respond as in the days of her youth. So mm. it's not just like the fact that she's responding like that isn't random. When we serve our spouse, that's a natural response. And we don't just serve to get that response. We serve out of love and dedication, but that response is a really great reward. So it is. just like when you serve in your community or you serve others, there is a great feeling that you get from that. You don't do it for that feeling. You do it because you want to love and respect and lay down your wants and desires for those in your community you serve your wife for those same reasons, but that feeling in return is really, really nice as well. It is. And it's w one thing that is a common thing that we've heard from our guests is the little things. It's, 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 you know, it's the small things, especially with our wives. They, they notice the small, they, mm -hmm. most wives are detailed people. That's why they're normally the ones that do the lunches and stuff like that. Cause us men, we just throw an apple in there. Here, go eat you know, whatever. Right. And they're like, no, they need protein. They need this, they need that, you know? And, um, I, I think that's the thing is it's the little things that matter to them because they say for my wife, it's me t paying attention to the small things tells her, I see her and that mm -hmm. I'm hearing her. Cause I'll give you an example for the longest time we could go. If my wife went to pick up with through fast food to pick up food for us. I don't have to tell her what, what I want. She knows, she knows what I want. She gets it. It's, and it's perfect. I go pick up food. I call her, Hey, what do you want? Now it's the same thing every time, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and that little thing would drive her crazy because how do you not know that I like a double cheese burger with cheese and ketchup only i mean it's not like she's got a triple stack with all this stuff it's very cheese and ketchup only 
and that Can would drive her flip crazy. What's that? All right, so you know that now? The, the yes. text in the future is, hey, you want your normal? Yes. And you're just yes. confirming. You know, like yes. you're showing, I know what you normally get. Is that what you want? Yeah. And so, so my wife's normal, like we have, we have a little place, um, a local fast food joint down the street from us. And uh, I'm in North Carolina. And for those of you in North Carolina, we have Cheerwine. I don't know if you know what Cheerwine is. It's a soda, it's a cherry soda that is delicious. My wife normally rotates between sweet tea and Cheerwine, depending on the restaurant. So mm -hmm. it's, it's the, Hey, you want your normal? Yeah. Sweet tea or Cheerwine tea. Okay, cool. And so I, like, I know what her order is so that I can confirm, I can show her I'm paying attention and I can confirm that's what she wants today. And it's, yeah. it's those little things that just taking care of that so that she doesn't have to think about it. It's one less thing off her plate. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do a bunch. It's just nope. occasionally like do this thing. Oh, okay. I, I'll give you another example. My kids, when they get home from school, both of them have like a notebook that they have to sign or parents have to sign. And, um, it just says like what the kids did that day, how, like if there were any problems, they did their homework, blah, 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 blah. My wife signed that notebook every single night for the first three months of school. And I thought she wanted to, I thought that it was a way for her to make sure she knew what was going on in the lives of the kids. Cause she's not home as much during the week. That's what I thought. And then one night I just happened to sign it because my daughter forgot to do her homework after at her after school care and did it at home. So I went ahead and signed it right then. And my wife was like, you signed the planner. I'm like, yeah, I mean, nobody does. She goes, you actually signed it. I'm like, wait, do you want me to sign that? She's like, yeah, that would be so much easier. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, so now like just signing the planner a couple nights a week, that is literally, oh, my kid didn't get in trouble. My kid did their homework. Here's my signature. Yeah. That's a way well, to serve my wife. Most marriages, our problem is usually comes back around to communication, the lack of communication with each other. And in this world, we have so many distractions right now. And, and the reason for this challenge is to help people get reconnected back with each other. Because uh, uh, like for me, when Blaine came and talked to me, I realized how disengaged with my wife I was. And that's a way that I serve my wife now is by communicating with her to, that shows her that she's important to me. And like, I had all these goals for my podcast, for my work, for all these things, but me and my wife didn't have any goals together. And that kind of made her feel like she was not as important as these yep. other things, you know? And I had to switch that. And I switched it because I don't want my wife to feel that way. And you know what? She she is way more important than all these other things are. And so me changing that is also how I served her. That was a way that I was serving mm -hmm. her and showing her the importance. We serve other people because we want them to know they have value in them. And, and here's another piece of that. As guys, a lot of the time, if we don't feel it, we don't think it's there. 
or we don't think yeah. it's true. And one of the things that's really important to learn is that emotions aren't always true. Our feelings aren't always true, but they're always real. Yes. And so if our wife is feeling something, that is something real to her. And we owe it to her out of love and respect to her to understand what she is feeling, to understand that and to either to both speak into it and act into it. Yes. Because yes. so I work in marketing as well. And one of the things that we know is true in the psychology of marketing is that there are three layers of problems. There are external problems, internal problems, and philosophical problems. The external problem is like, so say I want to go across the street and there's a garbage truck between me and the other side of the street. That garbage truck is the external problem. The mm -hmm. internal problem is, man, I'm frustrated that there's a dang garbage truck between me and the other side of the street. That's the internal problem. Most people make decisions based on the internal problem, not the external problem. Yeah. So our wife, this, this applies to every relationship, but our wife, especially what she is feeling is going to dictate what she does. Yes. There may not be an ex like the external problem of me not signing the planner. That wasn't the actual problem that was driving anything. The internal problem of, man, this is another thing I have to do at night. I wish he would just help. I wish I didn't have to worry about this. That's what was driving the feeling. So it wasn't about the yes. planner. It was about right. the way the planner made her feel. And right. so as, as husbands, one of the ways we serve our wives is not just listening or seeing the thing that may be the external thing, but trying to listen to the internal motivation behind that. Well, you don't do this. You don't do this, this, or this. Okay, that's the external thing she might be talking about. What is the internal thing that is driving that frustration? And yeah. if we can understand that and seek to understand that, then we realize it's not about taking the trash out, dude. It's about not making her do everything or feel like she has to do everything. It's just and, an easy and it thing. Does, and it doesn't have to be logical to us if it's real right. to her. Right. I, I'll tell you a story. It's a funny story. Me and my wife worked together and we were driving to work one day and I am not a morning person. I'm more so now than I used to be. Um, but I, back then I was not a morning person at all. It's like, don't talk to me until I'm about, about 11 o'clock in the you know, morning. And we're driving and my wife, she wakes up. She's perky. She's all this stuff. She's like singing. We're in a car. We got a 45 minute drive. We both worked at a prison at the time. Um, I was a transition teacher there. And so as we're going there, my wife said, she looks at me. Now you got to understand it's six o'clock, six 30 in the morning. My wife looks at me and she goes, would you like to have a baby with me? I'm 48 <laughs> years old, dude, 48 years old at that time. And I looked at her and I said, no, like that. And I just kept driving we get to work and all that. And on my lunch break, when it's past 11 o'clock and I'm more awake, I, I phone my wife at her office. I say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> I go, you sure you don't stop? I'm good. Do you need something? No, I was just checking out. Well, I've got a lot going on. I'll talk to you later. And I'm like, what did I 
do? You know, I'm like, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe someone made her mad there, you know? So I'll give her the benefit because I haven't done anything. You know, I've done nothing. So we go to, we get in the car to leave work and we're headed home, 45 minute drive back home. And I am getting the silent treatment. I go, man, you must have had a bad day at work. No, I didn't have a bad day at work. I had a bad day on the way to work. And I went, well, I know I didn't do nothing. What did I do? I go, and and that popped up in my mind about the baby thing. I said, well, you weren't serious about the baby thing, were you? Like that. And she said, it's, it's good. And I'm like, baby, listen, I'm 48 years old. Why would I want to have a baby with you? And she looked at me. She goes, it's not that I want you to have a baby with me. I want you to just want to have a baby with me. And I'm like, what? And she had tears coming down her eyes, dude. We laugh about it now. But for some reason, me, the way I said it back to her, made her feel devalued at that moment in time. It didn't make sense to me. Still doesn't make sense to me today. It doesn't. In fact, she laughs about it now. She's like, I don't know why I let that bother me. But I had to turn that around. And I remember as soon as we we got home, I was like, I hugged her. I loved on her. I let her know, baby, I can't wait to have a baby with you, you know? And it doesn't have to be. That's the problem sometimes. We're like, man, it just doesn't make sense. Well, she's trying to communicate something to you that we're not hearing. But and, we also have to respond with empathy. And that's the mm -hmm. things we, especially as guys, that we don't do very well. And yeah. Empathy is a superpower in a relationship because mm. if you can be empathetic to what the person is going through, then you can serve them better. And yeah. empathy is not, Oh, I'm sorry. You feel that way. I hate that you feel that way. Empathy is the ability to imagine or understand what the person is feeling. It's, mm. it's seeing your friend in a hole and I saying, Hey, I'm sorry. You feel that way. I'm sorry. I did that. It's saying, Oh, it's jumping in the hole, putting yourself in the situation and saying like, Oh, I know what it feels like to be down here. I, I know yeah. what, I, I'm sorry that I did that to you and made you feel that way. I know how bad yeah. feeling unwanted feels. Mm -hmm. That was not my intention, but I, I apologize. I, I did yeah. not mean to do that. And yep. instead of responding out of, Hey, that's stupid. I didn't mean that. You know, I didn't mean that. That's just being a jerk. Saying, yes, hey, I understand how that made you feel. I'm sorry I did that. Can you please forgive me? And I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes as men, we are jerks to our wives because we don't feel that empathy. We're not mm -hmm. because we don't. Let's just empathy be honest. We don't always get her. Most guys. No, no. And I, and I think sometimes it's a maturity thing for us. You know, we, we need to grow up a little bit and, and, uh, look at look at other people with you know an understanding that what like what you said uh it's real to them and they're hurting and with my wife being the most important person to me um 
the prayer thing that I told you earlier about that I had a hard time doing with my wife and I talked to someone and they, they gave me some suggestions and it came down to a commitment. And I remember that day I, I had just talked to this person. I was like, and, and it's, and that it didn't make sense why I couldn't pray with my wife, you know, but I had this insecurity. Well, prayer is more intimate than sex. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's very vulnerable and yeah. who knows me better than she does. And Jesus. you don't want to guess, <laughs> you know, that's why it's so intimate. Like, yeah. And so, but she came home from work and had just had a bad, bad day. And I just, I remember I, I've never done this before. And I just grabbed her, pulled her in and I said a soft prayer in her ear and prayed over her. And dude, that moment, in that moment, my wife knew I saw her. Yep. I knew and in that, my, in that moment, my wife, tears were in her eyes and she thanked me. And the thing I feared doing the most because I felt she may reject me over or see me as a hypocrite over, she longed for the most. Yep. And... And now me and her don't, we don't miss That's Our favorite part of the day is praying with each other. And I'm not saying that to be spiritual. No. And, and I, tr I'm, I'm saying it because like what you just said, that is a very intimate time. That's very intimate to us. It's very enduring. That's not something we, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but it also bonds us with the Holy spirit. Let's be spiritual for 100%. a minute. It bonds here's me and my wife. And now the Holy spirit that lives in us is bonding together. And then let me tell you, our prayers are not, we're not having hour long prayer sessions. We're not having these long prayer meetings and things like that. We're having, you know, five minute prayers, mm -hmm. two minute prayers sometimes. Um, but we have, we have things that are important to us as a couple that we are praying over. And the first thing I pray for every night when I sit down with her, is thanking God for that gift of her heart. Every time I start off with that, because I want her to know how valued she is, because I've not always been good at that. And during the day, sometimes when I don't have empathy, letting her and God know that I do value her at, at that time will make up a little bit for that sometimes. So it's, it's guys, amazing. We know... <laughs> in other facets of our marriage that things don't have to take a long time for them to be good. Right. But we don't apply that. Like we can also apply that to prayer. It doesn't have to take a long time for it to be good. No, no, no. And, and like I said, it's, it's our relationship is amazing right now. And I'm going to tell you, God has called us to be the leaders of our fam of our family. And for the longest time I had that wrong, that it was my job to try and change my family. No, it was my job to live right and lead right. And by doing that, by me getting healthy myself, uh, my family followed behind me. Leading and your family doesn't mean making every decision. No. Or that everyone has to go on with what you think. Leading your family is, I, I submit and serve my kids. I, I, I'm the authority in the, in the relationship. But I apologize to my kids probably more than I apologize to anyone else because mm. I've never been a dad before. 
I, right. I, I'm doing this for the first time. I'm trying to figure it out. And so I'm going to get it wrong. And so leading, if we look at the way Jesus led, he served everyone around him. Yes. And so that doesn't mean people can hear, I, I serve my kids that I do everything for them. No, they, they have their chores. They have their responsibilities, but I serve them. I let them know that it's not all about what dad wants. It, it's all, not all about what they want either, but yep. there are times that I'm going to give up what I want for what they want. And there are times yep. that I expect them to give up what they want for what I want as well. It's this mutual idea of serving each other because we love each other and we're going to put the wants and the desires of those we love above our own. And we're going to love them the way Jesus loves us. Yeah. And, you know, I, before we close out on here today, Jonathan, I want to, I, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, probably should have prepared you a little bit for this, this question okay. going, but you, you seem like you're an off the cuff guy and can handle it. So one of the things that we've been doing during this uh, challenge has been given suggestions, you know, things you can do, uh, things we've done uh, to uh, make things special. Like my friend Blaine, I call him Casanova, man. That dude, he, for his wife's birthday, he, he there's an actress she liked and he got her to do a Zoom call wishing her a happy birthday. Wow. I'm like, holy cow, you know? Um, but we, you know, for my wife one day, it was just a simple thing of sending, bringing, dropping by the office and giving her a coffee that changed her day. Right. Um, but it's not all, it's not all about that. Um, we're talking about serving today and I would like to ask you to give maybe a few one or two suggestions. And I think you already have in here, but you know, as men, we sometimes miss, miss the point. So let's, let's give, let's give two takeaways of, of ways you, you could see maybe that you serve your wife or um, that you feel that maybe God is telling you that someone can serve their wife. Big picture, lead with empathy. Try to understand the situation that she's going through. Um, we did an episode recently that actually is going to come out in a couple of weeks of our podcast where we talk about this. And I pulled a quote from Brene Brown. I pulled this up while you were talking. Um, Brene Brown did a great TED talk on empathy. And uh, she said that empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. So mm. empathy is a choice. In order to connect with you, I have to connect with something inside myself that knows the feeling you're experiencing. Um, and so lead with empathy in general, just make, try to make that shift in your life as you approach your wife, that you're being empathetic to the things she is saying and experiencing. That's the big picture, long-term, try to work on this type of suggestion. The takeaway for now, let her sleep in Saturday morning, <laughs> get up, do your thing. If you've got kids, get them up, feed them, all that, but you don't even have to make her, if you want to make her breakfast, make her breakfast, but let her sleep in. Just let her keep doing her thing. Let her yep. rest. Um, doing that, like there have been times I've gotten up with the kids and my wife slept till like nine, nine 30 because she had a hard week. She comes downstairs and not only is she thankful I let her sleep, but she's actually rested. So yeah. I get the version of my wife. I love the most, not yeah. the stressed out, tired version. So 
again, there is a benefit to serving. We don't do it for the for the benefit, but there like, there are positive returns for the serving. But the the easy thing to do, let her sleep in, whatever yeah. or, or whatever your version of let her sleep in might be. She might like and, getting and- up earlier than you. Let her go for a run, or let her go to the gym without having to worry about the kids and you and you know that she whatever that thing is she wants to do this weekend give her the time and the space to do that with no strings mm. attached yeah and i'm glad you said because we're having takeaway sheets for everyone that they can download uh during this and one of one of the things on on the form you guys can download is uh a, a space where you learn your wife's love language. What is it that, because it's not all the same, like what he said there, uh, I don't have little kids. So for me, what was important to my wife, an, an example was uh, I work from home. So I try to have like, I try to have everything done before my wife gets home mm-hmm. so that when she comes home, it's our time. But I also during the day, since I work from home, I can do some things like I can, make sure the trash is taken out. I can throw dinner in the crock pot. I can sweep the floor so that when my wife comes home, she doesn't feel like she has to accomplish a hundred things that before I I didn't look at and see, somehow they magically just happened. Our house just magically cleaned itself, you know, or dinner just was just happened to be there. And so Learn. I, I like what you said. What is your wife's version? Learn your wife because your wife is she's going to love the fact that you know that she likes a double cheeseburger with cheese and ketchup only. Mm-hmm. Something it's that stuff. simple is so important. So, um, again, you have a podcast. Where, where can they go to do that? We'll put a link in the description. Where can they go for your podcast? Yeah, it's called Unlearning Youth Group. We're in season right now. So, uh, we do eight episode seasons three times a year. So we're in season with new episodes coming every Monday right now. You can get that wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify are the two main ones. I think we're on Stitcher as well. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You can look up Unlearning Youth Group. This season, we're putting the video up there. Um, so wherever you, you listen or you watch, you can find us. And we will be there every Monday morning through February. And then we've got five past seasons. You can go back. This is season six for us. So you can go back and listen to all of those wherever you get podcasts as well. Wow. That's awesome. I thank you so much. I'll put that link in there as well. And Jonathan, again, thank you so much for being with us on here today. Uh, It it was just great, great conversation with you. And to my, my guys out there, my audience that's listening until next time, I just want to tell you guys, keep being intentional. We'll talk to you guys later.